دایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدافع خدا داد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خدا داد عزیزی خاطر روی زمین یک سرزارو به توی دروازه سرزارو بود گل به نام آسمان برای ایران بزنه کریم اصلی فر Welcome back to another episode of Golbazan. We just came off the games with Hong Kong and Uzbekistan. I'm joined by Arya and Sand. Welcome, guys. Good to be on, Sina. Appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, good to have Saham back and Saham back on as well. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. So let's just jump straight in. Um, so we had two friendly ge- friendly games. Sorry, not friendly games. World Cup qualifiers. Um, Hong Kong and then Uzbekistan. And then we got uh, a friendly game before the Asian Cup. The Hong Kong one was an interesting one because we're actually playing them in the Asian Cup in January. So I guess it was a good sort of dress rehearsal, even though it was a competitive game. Um, let's go through the Hong Kong game first. So I guess like... We we both we all sort of knew going into it it was going to be an easier game as the two, um, and we did come away four nil. Osman with two goals, Rezaian and Tarami. Um, what did you think of the game, Arya? Uh, yeah, it was a good game, you know, by Iran. I think you know they did job done. Uh, essentially, there was a, pe- a a big period during the game where Iran uh, didn't really do much, um, but then they got back into it towards the end of the game. Uh, scored the last two goals. Uh, started the game really well, uh, as well with the first two goals. Um, Osman scored two goals. He probably should have got a third goal. Uh, Tarimi could have gotten his score sheet uh, a few times. Uh, Rezaian scored a very nice free kick um, towards the end of the game. Um, Salman Gordus uh, played in midfield um, uh, again. And I thought he did really well. Uh, obviously, he carried over to Uzbekistan as well. Um, I think it was fine. Listen, it's just it's Hong Kong. We were, we were expected to beat them, uh, and we did that four zero is a good result. Mm. Yeah, they had the Hong Kong. Obviously, had a few excuses dur- during the build up to the game. So one being they weren't happy with the training facilities on on the in in Tehran. And also they had a few absentees, probably a few of their like, good players weren't there. Um, so those are the sort of two big ones. Um, I guess, Sahand, like, what do you what do you kind of make of, of Hong Kong? I think, I mean, the training facilities thing was, I remember they gave us some terrible training. We were training in somebody's backyard last time we went there. So I think uh, that's whatever. But um, I mean, they were actually, I think they were a little bit better than what I thought. They were pretty uh, fast. And they're, I guess they had a high line for a lot of the game, which gave them some problems with those running in behind. But they weren't, I don't think they were actually awful. And a couple times they did threaten us the other way. Kanoni, I thought, had a good game against Hong Kong for whatever that's worth. But a couple times he had to cover. But I didn't think they were that bad. But it was, a, I mean, it's whatever. One of those games we just have to get the job done. And I think they played well. But there's not a lot to really take from the Hong Kong game. Except for the fact that I thought it was interesting, um, Kalanoi basically chose the same team that he did against uh, Uzbekistan with just Hajdafi and um, John Bach obviously got injured in that game. But 
that I thought was a little bit interesting because I would think that if you want to give a little bit of time to maybe some younger players or not even just to say give time to younger players, but give time to people you would expect to potentially contribute off the bench in the future that maybe don't have a lot of minutes, which could be somebody like a Hossein Nejad, uh, could be somebody like a Majid Hosseini who hasn't played for Team Madrid for a while, but he's in good form now. I would think doing it against Hong Kong is, I mean, if you're not going to give Hossein Nejad or players like that minutes against Hong Kong, but when are they going to play? I just thought that was my only real takeaway besides the fact that Team Melody played fine. Yeah, I guess I guess uh, the other question that come up, comes up from this game against Hong Kong, yes, it's a World Cup qualifier, but I guess uh, for given that we're playing them in the in the Asian Cup, I guess how it be how would it be different, Arya, in the Asian Cup? Not much different. Uh, I think obviously, obviously, first and foremost, it is a competition where I think Hong Kong. Uh, they would try and get out of the group if they can, uh, with it being a UAE and Palestine, the other two teams. Uh, they make faster chances. But I I think Iran, um, I mean, you know, we beat Yemen 5-0 last time around in the Asian Cup. So I, I think ultimately Iran should just go out there and do the same thing they did against Hong Kong this time around as well. Um, so I, I, I just, um, you know, as Asahan mentioned, I, I really do hope that within at least some of this qualification, we do see a, a few more young players playing. A guy like Hasbovi, could he have started against uh, Hong Kong? Probably. Uh, could he have started uh, Mirad Mohamadi against Hong Kong rather than playing against Uzbekistan? Probably. Um, rather than Hoysafi playing on the bench against Uzbekistan. Could he have started Ali Karimi against uh, Hong Kong and then played Saeed against Uzbekistan? Uh, again, yeah, probably. Like I think just on that note, like as not to jump in, but I mean, uh, some of the players that we're playing now, like a guy like Kodus, his fitness is a lot better than it's been previously. But it's not like he's playing a lot of ninety minutes still, which is fine. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. But what I just don't really see the point if we have a guy like Jose Nijad who needs, you know, some minutes at this at international level. It would make, I think, a lot more sense if he got some well, minutes against Hong Kong. Jahan Bach got and, injured. And is fine. Yeah, like, why is Jahan Bach even playing against Hong Kong? I mean, that he, to me know, is just weird. He got injured. But, so if he's, I mean, obviously he had a bad game, but if he, if he is one of his key players, you don't need to start him against Hong Kong. You don't need to. You know, you've got Torabi, you've got Mohebi on the bench, or Mohebi or Merda Mohamadi on the bench. They're perfectly good enough to play against a team like Hong Kong. Not to say that he shouldn't play his best team because he should. It's a competition that's we've got Asian Cup in, in a few months' time. So yeah, he should try and find his best team. But you also are preparing for a competition. So you want your whole squad to be ready as well, which at the moment isn't the case. Um uh, so Yeah, I mean we've talked about this before in terms of his managerial uh I guess downfalls or incompetencies where yeah, he, he is trying to find his best team, but at the same time, doesn't give as much as many chances to young players. Maybe he plays uh, too safe with like the players that are more experienced and maybe plays them for a bit too long, doesn't do the rotations. Um, and I think that, that maybe led to someone getting injured in the Uzbekistan game, perhaps it was just fatigue, given that he hasn't played 90 minutes consistently. I don't know. Um, but yeah, do you guys want to say anything more about, about that Hong Kong game before we move on to Uzbekistan? Uh, just on that point about like this the safety aspect, I I think it should just be mentioned that that's not 
limited to Kalanoi. That's like something that's in just a part of our football culture and has been for decades. Um, that coaches are very risk averse and it has to do a lot with kind of the management structure of the clubs, how quickly coaches are hired and fired and a lot of other um, kind of things, cultural things. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not limited to Balenoi, but in general, Iranian coaches, if, you know, the chances of them starting young players is really only when there's no significant competition on the horizon or after, like maybe after we go to the Asian Cup and if it's an embarrassment, then you'll see, you know, whoever's next, like blood some young players. And, like, well, I mean, you look, look at the stats, like for the Iranian league, we're one of the worst in the world at playing young players. The only, the only hmm. teams that give a chance to young players recently is like Sepohan, who are coached by, you know, Morais. So that's, I think it's just a part of having an Iranian coach. You know, that's, they're not going to play young players unless it's really special situation. It's a very good point. But I guess uh, to your point around maybe if we go out in flames in terms of the Asian Cup, maybe that's the the sign to to bring in like a new generation. I think, it, I mean, it needs to happen anyway. We talked about this in the last podcast when it was just me and Arya. This team is is aging. So, you know, they're either approaching 30 or there are, you know, they're past 30. So this this needs to, I guess, like the, the, younger, the younger players do need to get some minutes because... The next World Cup is, I guess, coming on the horizon. And these players that are playing now aren't going to be, they're going to be past their prime by the time that that tournament comes. Yeah, I mean, look at like a player like Omid Ibrahimi, who I think is a very good player. I do admire him quite a lot. Um, he, he came on against Hong Kong um, a little bit quite early on, actually, for, for someone who does. Again, you could have brought on someone else a lot younger than him. Um, it's not. It, 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 there was no need to bring on Omid Ibrahimi. It wasn't like we were going to concede a goal. Uh, so I just feel like, look, um, I think it's just the way it is in Iran. Unfortunately, and we look at our U seventeen team, we do have talented players, no doubt about it. Uh, like for example, the midfielder for our U seventeens, Razarinia, could he in the next couple of years break into the national team and be a midfielder for us yeah probably because I think he looks because we don't have a lot of players like him right now even who are experienced players so but then that opportunity needs to be given to him which is always like it's always like how how is he going to get it is he going to get it by going to Europe and even if he goes to Europe it's not guaranteed that he gets the minutes you know so Mm. And I think this this does feed into I guess inexperience within like internet on the international stage. You, like when we get to the World Cups, we don't really know how to how to manage games or how to how to like play out the ninety minutes. And I think this does start from the grassroots level of like giving these young players chances because they get chances too late, and they they haven't learned to play with each other for years, like the current say England squad, and they've you know they've grown up with each other. And it's only now they've been able to challenge for, say, like the finals of tournaments, semi-finals of tournaments. You know, that's come from years of grassroots level football. I know you can't compare Iranian to England, but like that's that's the comparison. To an extent, but also you have to keep in mind on the flip side of the coin, because I think now our conversation is becoming a little bit about this like experience versus youth. The supposed benefit to playing experience from the position of view of somebody like Kalenoi is that that you know these players have seen multiple world cups they should be able to manage a game better in theory but if you look at our game against uzbekistan which i think we're going to talk about next 
That's mm-hmm. not the case either. Those yeah. experienced players do not know how to manage a game very well. Yeah, it's a very good point. Those experienced players are part of the reason for us to drop points is because, you know, whatever, they're not fit enough, they're not fast enough. Uh, even though they're experienced, you know, you have people that their mentality is totally questionable. If you look at some of the post-game comments from people like Bayron Van. So to me, it's like, you know, it's kind of, uh, I see the the idea in theory why you would say, okay, experience you know, for somebody like Palinoy mm. whose back is against the wall. I mean, let's be fair to Palinoy that if he loses one game, any one game, he's gone. I mean, that's how it is right now. I mean, his situation is in a way where everyone is kind of out with a pitchfork already from the very start, for better or worse, or for right reasons or wrong, regarding Palinoy. So he feels like he can't lose. But he's putting trust in players that I don't think deserve that level of trust. Mm. That's so the issue. You. Sorry, that's the issue because if when a coach's mentality is I just have to win every game and I'm not really going to bother about developing a, a national team, developing players, that becomes an issue because uh, when we when 2026 comes around, the team's not going to be ready for that, you know. Um, and Sam makes a great point there, you know. Yeah, a guy like Khalil Zadeh, he's 34 years old, to me, not a very experienced player. Yes, he's he's old, He's played a lot of matches, but what is his what is his is it his experience? His experience is playing in Qatari League in the PGPL. Champions League. I think for like Khalid Zadeh's yeah. perspective, which I agree. I mean, I think he's one of the people who definitely should not be starting. But I I mean, I like to sometimes look from the position of the coach, because it's easy for us to say, okay, it's wrong what he's doing. But from the position of the coach, I think what he's doing is saying, okay, Kanoni and Shojo have played, out of all the centre-backs we have, the most minutes together. They've played minutes in in crunch games, you could say, Asian Champions League and crunch World Cup qualifiers. And what he's betting on is not necessarily that they're going to be perfect in these games, all of them, but that when that time comes in that critical game for, say, you know, South Korea in the quarterfinal, he's going to lean on them because they've seen it, they've been there. Have they always been successful? No, but that's kind of his his you know, reasoning, I guess. So for whether you agree with it or not, that's kind of what his perspective is. I don't agree with it personally. <laughs> I, mean, I don't agree with it. Yeah. Either, but, but, uh, mm, yeah. I think no, I, I understand the points completely. So let, let's talk about the Uzbekistan game then, because we were, in, in my opinion, like the, the first half, we played some of the best football I've seen us play for a while. It was actually very refreshing to see a lot of one-touch football, a lot of playing through the middle, playing through the wings. It was a lot. It was very, very positive football. Samogodos in the middle played played like spectacularly, in my opinion. A lot of great passes, and for some reason, at halftime, something changed. I guess like what went wrong, and I guess Sahan, you brought it up first. I'll start with you. First of all, I like to just start with the lineup, which I think was. I have a lot of problems with the back four, but in terms of the changes he made, I mean, I thought that Torabi for Jahan Baksh was a really good change. I mean, Jahan Baksh, I know, got injured, but I thought Torabi had a great game in that first half. And you can tell, I mean, he was, compared to Jahan Baksh, he was contributing so much more to the attack. Mm, I mean, he, he takes was, on players, which Jahan Baksh doesn't players. do. He has great, you know, passing range. He's quick in his decision-making, much quicker than Jahan Baksh. And I thought he really gave that triangle between him, Taremi, and Kodus that was taking place on the left side of the field was really good. And I thought it actually complemented Osmoon and Mohed be well. Because when those three, they all kind of want the ball and come to the ball to feet. 
And then you have Mohebi who was making good runs, stretching the space in behind uh, on the opposite side. So I thought, you know, compared to a lineup that has, say, a Johan Bach is another player who wants the ball only to feet and doesn't offer anything in behind, I thought there was a much more balance in our attack. And I think this was, you know, a big game on um, the decision to start Gordus. Because this is the first time that we can say against, uh, I would say Uzbekistan are much stronger than Qatar, and much stronger than Hong Kong. And this is the first time that he's decided, no, I'm going to stick with the Gordus Said pairing at the base of midfield with Tarani slightly ahead of them. So just on the lineup, that was my first impression that okay, he's it looks like he's go he's saying the first choice midfield I have is is Zatullahi, Gurdus, and Tarani ahead of them as a tenth. Um and I think Salman really responded well. I was really impressed his in all facets of the game, without the ball, his pressing, defensive cover, tracking, and then of course with the ball. I mean he was the one who was usually getting the ball from the center backs, distributing the play, he had a great assist. That came from his own pressing. Uh, he had a couple other really nice um, longer balls. And the thing that changed to your question was Salman's injury. When Salman got injured in the 40th minute and he was replaced with Ali Karimi, that's when the game shifted. And I think from the perspective of Uzbekistan, they were 2-0 down and they had just kind of been under uh, this... Iranian possession play and attack that had Gordus, Osmun, Tarani really firing, Torabi contributing, Mohebi stretching the game. And as soon as Gordus went down, it looked like their coach really, I mean, at halftime, he told them, look, these guys, they have three serious players, Gordus, Tarani, and Osmun. The one who gives them the balls, he's just got injured. Everybody push up 10 yards, you know, and that's what happened. In the second half, they were on us. They were pressing us high. Ezzatullah, he was coughing up the ball. Ali Karimi was coughing up the ball. I don't know what Bayron Van and Shoja and Kanani were doing with the ball. But exactly. Great first half. And then the injury of Gordus was the change of the game. And the decision to sub in a profile that had no similarity to Gordus and offers nothing that Gordus offers, which is Ali Karimi. Yeah, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. What really made uh, more sense to me is playing Tarami where where Khodus was playing. Like that, that would make more sense because he was dropping in deeper than than some of the midfielders. The only player with the profile of Khodus on Team Meli right now is Hossein He's played in the Asian Champions League. He's been given minutes by a really good coach in Marais. He's making a starter. And if you want to play a system that has Saeed and Tarami as the advanced ten. You need to have a player who can link it in the middle. You need to have a player who can take the ball and actually drive with the ball and break lines with the ball. And only Hossein Najat has that profile. And I think it was a really good chance to trust him and give him some minutes in an important game. But, you know, it's still, you know, Uzbekistan away. It's not like he's playing in the quarterfinal of the Asian Cup. And I was really, I mean, I yeah, he's 20 years old. Okay. But to me... If you look at profiles in our midfield and you choose before the game to have this, it's a unique midfield, we have to be honest. It's kind of like an unorthodox midfield. But if you choose that, then you have to have players. I mean, as Ariosa coach, you've been working on a system all week in training. The midfield is kind of the key battleground of the field. You need to have players as replacements that fill the same role that the starters do. Or else you're changing your tactic completely mid-game if you introduce new profiles. So to me, is that 
just one profile, and the profile closest to him is actually Ali Kadimi. Godus is another totally different profile. So to then replace Godus with Ali Kadimi and basically have two redundant, very slow defensive midfielders, that was what killed killed our game. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you're pretty much um, saying the same things I, I I believe as well. I mean, I, I was in the post game space. Um, you know, I was we're speaking about the substitutes. You you bring in you bring in Ali Karimi for for side. You know, again as San mentioning for someone for for someone next to next to next side. The problem with that is it's not so much that uh, Ali Karimi isn't a good player. Of course, he's a good player. I think I think Ali Karimi has has qualities that Saeed doesn't have, you know? And I think similarly, I think, I think Saeed has qualities that Ali Karimi doesn't have. They are quite different in that sense. They have differences, but... Ali Karimi's th- playing at a good level. I mean, that's yeah. also... I know it's easy to bash him because he had a bad game. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, his team is fourth place in Turkey. No, he's, starter. he's not a bad you know, player. He's not he's, a bad player. No, no, it's not that. It's just that his his qualities don't really help the team. You know, you got someone who... First and foremost, uh, give credit credit to where, where it's due. Amigalnoy playing someone in that midfield pairing is a very good decision because I think someone, especially in the last season or two, has become a much better defensive minded player. Uh, I think actually we defend very well when he's when he's playing in that midfield. I think a lot of criticism at the start was if you play him there, you know we lose defensive uh, stability. Disagree. I think we actually defend very well defense with him. Defense better. Defense better because he covers yeah. ground much faster. Yeah. And if you notice. Someone gives away very few fouls. Yeah, you know yeah, he's, he's able a, to actually press in an intelligent way. He's a he's a player who you can tell is is training in the Premier League. You can tell straight away because nobody has the the in the, in anybody in, in the Iran national team or in the Iran national team matrix has the foresight to go and press somebody in that position. To win the ball back, nobody's going to do that. Not even Jose Nijal will do that. Not a lot of players will will go and press and win it back and get an assist. A lot of players will will shy away from that type, type of pressure on, on the ball. Someone knew that he could win it back, and he knew he had the pace on on the defender and won it because he because he's fit enough. First of all, uh, he's got the technical ability to do so, and he's he's confident as a footballer in in, in his abilities. No other player in our in our in Iran will be able to do that. Um, so he's a very important player for us in that midfield. And when he got injured, um, yeah, straight away I, I was really hoping to see Jose Jose come on, but he's not going to come on. I mean, he won't do that. Uh, he won't make that change. Uh, we all know that he's, it's the right change to make, but he won't make it. So Ali Karimi came on and I think it ruined the game for us. Um, second half, I think we also showed, um, as Sahan mentioned before, we showed times where we're not able to control the game properly. You're 2-0 ahead. Um, not times. We didn't control the game for that second half. We didn't control one yeah. minute. And we're no. lucky. We're lucky we came away with 2-2. If you go back and yeah. watch those highlights... They had a lot of chances. They had a lot of chances. They had more chances than us in the first half, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really. I think that was one of the worst halves that I've seen from Team Medley. Well, yeah, collapse. I actually think it was one of the best halves we had in the first half for a long yeah. time. I, yeah. That was our best half of football since crazy. the Wales game. Since the Wales game, that was you our know, best game. If you ever want to call a game, you know, night and day or a tale of two halves, it's that. <laughs> it was crazy how much it was 
a change of of tempo of of um, emphasis on on getting the ball into you know just controlling the game um and then finally i think the other other change that again didn't make any sense whatsoever was bringing on Rosebud Cheshmi for Sadar Osman doesn't make any sense yeah, why did why did he why did he even bring off Osman that's the I first mean, thing you, this is again Balenoi in his mind i think he's he's thinking i need to hold on to this lead but yeah that's he has wrong such a limited understanding of the game management that his yeah. idea of holding on to the lead yeah. instead of saying, okay, we need to hold on to the, we need to keep the ball first because their yeah. pressure, the first thing we need to do is keep the ball when we get it to relieve pressure on the back line. His idea is if I just keep subbing in defensive midfielders, that will help us hold the game. So he's put yeah. on three profiles that You're none just of inv- them inviting can pressure. None of them can run is Zatullah, he carry me and Cheshmi. None of them can move, you know, none of them can receive the ball under pressure in tight spaces. And they're all sitting on top of each other. None of them are covering spaces wide. And all that's happening is they're just sending wave after wave and they're not doing anything except making fat. I mean, all I think Cheshmi did was foul like four times in 10 minutes. It's quite a, a bad, bad, you know, not, not just that he doesn't he have... Handed, he handed the initiative to them. Yeah. And, you know, they were spurred. They had a ton of fans there. There was a good atmosphere yeah. for them. And they just took the initiative. But, and then when he saw Osmoon, Osmoon was... Three players were marking Osmoon the whole game. When you sub him, those two of those just go in and join the attack too. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you know, if you if you go three at the back and you you have you know, essentially have five defenders on, just because you've got more defenders on does not mean you're gonna defend your your, your lead. Doesn't mean no. that no, Numer- exactly. numerically numerically increasing your defenders actually, and I always I always believe this actually is a detriment to how you play the game because it really puts pressure on your defenders you're, you're you're taking out a midfielder to put a defender on and actually if he had put Cheshmi in midfield I would have made it I would have been completely okay with it I'd be like, okay you put another midfielder on that's fine but you actually put him in defense which first of all stupid because you could have brought on Majid Hosseini if you're going to put a center back on that's the first things first but if you're going to if you're going to bring Cheshmi on you need to play midfield you know um didn't happen, and then we just invited pressure for for about thirty minutes, whatever it was. Uh, j- just not good at all from Galway. Now Galway probably again probably wasn't aware that that you know Uzbekistan could actually offer that kind of attack because they didn't do it for so 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 long of a period during the game. But as soon as you they're not Uzbekistan are not a bad team. First of all, they're a very good team. It, it, when you look at their individuals, they have a couple of good players. You yeah, give them, an, you, give them you give them an opportunity to get back in the game. They will do it. They're not going to sit back and just defend for ninety minutes. They're going to try and win the game. So if you give them that chance, then they're going to do it. And they did it. Experience thing, you know. If Balenui himself is like an experienced coach, and you have all these players that he keeps playing with, so he says, okay, these are the experienced guys. I would expect more from an experienced group of players than to be so uh, comfortable against the Uzbek team in Tashkent winning 2-0. And if you look at the post-game comments, Bayron Van, he said, and it's a direct quote, he said that we, at halftime, believed that we were going to become finalists at the Asian Cup. If we were playing so good that we thought, okay, that's it. Like, we're going to be like, oh my, it's over. This game, not only this game is over, but we're playing at such an advanced level that 
we're going to cruise to the Asian Cup final. You have a senior player who's saying that that's the mentality of the team. You have a coach who, after the game comes and says, our players stopped running in the second half. Okay, that's it. That's kind of true. But you were the coach. What reaction did you show? You were sitting there on the sideline. What did you do when your team wasn't running? Okay, so I guess that, yeah, we didn't mention it, but the, the game finished 2-2 with a goal from Tarami and a goal from Reza on this. Reza on the second goal, actually, um, after Hong Kong. So uh, getting getting a couple goals from right back, which is cool. Um, but yeah, both came from the first half. Both came from pretty decent play. Rezion's goal should not have gone in. The goalkeeper should have definitely saved it. But I guess the build-up play was still good. Um, anything guys, you guys want to say before moving to fan questions? Uh, no, I, you know, I actually really liked Osmond's little through ball, little round the corner yeah. flick. Really very nice. nice. I actually think Osmond had a very good two games these last two. I think he's been very, very positive these last two games. Um, You're giving the captain's armband as well. Yeah, yeah. He was very happy about On that. At that um, point, it's worth mentioning that, you know, he made the move to Roma. He hasn't gotten a ton of minutes yet, but he's been quite effective in the limited minutes he's gotten. And he scored his first goal a couple of weeks ago. But for those people who are, you know, wondering yeah, how and... this move would affect him, I think he looks a lot fitter than he did when he was at Leverkusen at the back end of last season. A lot fitter. I know he was struggling with that injury from the World Cup that he played mm. through that he definitely shouldn't have played with the calf that got torn mm. again in preseason. But now he looks like he lost weight. He looks sharper. His link-up play is good. And I would expect him in the next couple months um, of whatever weeks before the Asian Cup to get some more minutes at Roma. And I think they've liked, you know, so far what he's done in limited minutes. So I think it's been mm. good. Yeah, agreed. Okay, just let's a quick one questions. as well. Sorry, um, the good point there, because like the two players who haven't played at club level are someone with Lucent Osmond um, as much, but they were probably the two better players for us in these last two games. That that tells you that they're such high quality players that even if low game time, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah, but I guess I guess the argument is like is is the sub bench at a I guess European club or in in someone's case a Premier League club better than playing yeah. week in week out at, at an Iranian yeah. league club? That, but that's the argument, right? Like it, it makes a ton of sense. Does, but I think the only thing is also from one one point of view, it's good that someone yeah he's on the bench, but he's getting a lot more minutes than he was last year. Um, and the thing is, like, see that in his performance, that even when he's playing now, he looks a lot more confident. He looks, yeah. I mean, game time, I think, has an effect. You have to have some base level of game time, but I think someone's getting enough game time now where he can dictate a game for Team Medley and be okay. If you're some random Joe from the PGPL and you go to Serie A and you never play, then yeah, that's different. But because you're, if you're a guy like someone, you're a guy like Sarder, who are already talented footballers, if you don't play a lot of football, for an Iranian national team, it doesn't really uh, translate that that like they're going to be bad for us or anything like that. So, no, for them it doesn't matter uh, as much, you know. So, fan questions. Uh, fan questions. So we're going to start from Twitter first. Uh, we've got quite a lot on Instagram as well. Some of them are, are, are just repeating them, but we'll try and go through as many as possible. Um, First of all, uh, comes from uh, at SN0707. He asks, uh, any chance of the U17 kids getting called up? Uh, I suppose that's probably like the next couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think, again, Nima Andar's had a fantastic um, tournament uh, in Indonesia. 
He did really well. I think he will definitely get a move this summer or next summer coming up. Uh, I can see him moving to a, a decent team um, in Europe, potentially. Um, and again, as I mentioned before, I think Lazzarini or uh, Amir Lazzarini could definitely help us uh, in midfield in a couple of years' time. Again, again, it depends on their on their club club decisions and where they go. Um, I believe they both play for Kia, right? Both they of those both players. They both play for Mahavi Kia's academy. Yeah, which is both been there. So great, yeah. For a Euro move, I mean, they're definitely going to encourage that. But I would yeah. say mm-hmm. that, you know, as somebody who followed the last U17 team that went to the World Cup and did very well, which was the Abbas Chalanion's team with Alohior, uh, with Delphi, with Toro that went one round further than this team. They actually beat Mexico in the round of 16 and then lost to Spain in the quarterfinal 3-1. I would say this team, though, is is more talented individually than that team. Much more talented. I think the players are much better, much more well-rounded. I mean, before you had like a profile like Al Lohior, who really stood out because at that age, he was physically ahead of everybody else. He was stronger. He was faster. And then that didn't translate for him very well in the men's game. You know, he got a, he it was okay for a while. And then he used his speed when the other players were as strong as him. But then when the speed factor got taken away from him because of injury and then also playing in a league where the space is more limited, he didn't have anything to fall back on like we see now. But these players, what I saw from them, I mean, Nima Dash is a very well-rounded player. Uh, for a right back, his technique on the ball, his dribbling, his speed, uh, his tackling technique, 1v1 defending is much better than The Iranian seen. Carvajal, for sure. Uh, you can call him whatever you want, but that He's guy... Brilliant. Is a serious player, Razzolino. For a player that tall and you know big, we have we just saw what we saw for Team Medley was a lot of midfielders that can't cover space, big guys that can't move at all, and how detrimental that is. And in comparison, this guy he covers space fast. He does it without fouling. He had the most interceptions of any player in the in the whole tournament. Uh, he was creating chances. He was solid technically. Those two I really like. Um, Esmail Polizadeh from Sepahan was another player who I think had a great tournament, some really nice goals. Um, and then a lot of other players too. The goalkeeper was excellent, or Shashakuri. Uh, the right winger, Barajit. There's a lot of talent. But, you know, at that mm. age, it's hard to say who's going to ultimately translate. There's a lot of factors mm. that go into it. But yeah. I would say from what I saw, there's a good chance for those players because their game is well-rounded. They're not reliant on just, you know, say, physical thing that when at the higher level, other people will be able to match. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, like, it was, a, it was a tough tournament. Not tough in the sense that the other teams are a lot better, but I think these players are, they're not playing a lot of football. You know, they're not playing, and plus, uh, Iranian academies are not, they're good, some of them are okay, but a lot of them aren't playing at a really high level. You know they're they're good setups, some of them, but they're not playing at a great level. So to expect them to go into a World Cup, the teams they're competing against, I yeah, think you mean is not like yeah. You know, you have three. The base of this team is the Sepahan, Fulad, and Mahdavikio academies, and it's not like they're playing against teams equivalent to Man City, uh, Chelsea, Arsenal, or Brazil. Well, and academy. that's why I was I was so critical of England because you know they lost to Uzbekistan uh, in this competition. Uh, so if they can't beat Iran comfortably and Iran can hold their own for a long period of game, 
shows how much talent these players have and shows how well Abdi did with this team. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes going forward. Now, next question. Uh, good question, actually, coming in uh, from Twitter again uh, by at Robert84915. Uh, yes, does uh, Manny Kone have uh, any role or effect on the tactics of the team? Now, I actually have a little bit of intel on this, uh, and uh, I, from from what I've heard is Manny Kone, his main... Uh, especially in the training ground, his main uh, job is to work on the defensive aspect of the team and to get the team to do work well defensively on the training ground, not so much during match day, but uh, that's his kind of main coaching aspect. Uh, from, from what I'm hearing, it's not going particularly well either. Um, it's going to take a long time for his uh, defensive coaching to to work with this team. Uh, but we shall see how that how that progresses. He is obviously um coach at Lazio and uh, I think Switzerland as well. So he he should. Uh, He's hopefully... extremely qualified. To of course he is. The guys, I mean, he was an Inter Milan player. He played a lot of yeah. Inter in Syria. He was Petkovic's assistant at Lazio at Switzerland for many years. The Swiss national team had a great kind of eight year period, and he was the assistant coach at Bordeaux also. So, I mean, I, it's hard to say behind the scenes. I mean, Arya has a little bit of information, but it's hard to say how many decisions, you know, are made by Balenoi. How can, does this guy, like, have the authority to say, like, you know, this player needs to start? I don't really know. I mean, we don't know. But um, you would hope that if he's working on the defensive end, well, something's still wrong because I think it's just the weakest our defense has looked for, like, a long time. Yeah, but again, there's not a ton of options. Like, if you if you want to argue, I don't think there's a ton of options. I think I think I have a disagree. I think it's a good thing to talk about actually. But I uh, I think Najida Hosseini, in my opinion, yeah, there is no reason that Shoja Khalilzadeh, who right now is playing for Trakdor and not really playing that well, uh, he's the actually he's not even the best center back at Trakdor. You know, RFL was he has actually been playing much better than him this season, yeah. and at Should age 34, 35. There is no reason he should be starting over somebody like Majid. I'm not even talking about a young kid like Hasbavi who has, you know, great potential. You're talking about Majid Hosseini, who is World Cup, two World Cups of experience, an Asian Cup of experience, is a regular for the fourth place team in Turkey. Uh, he put he had some injury problems in the last year, but he's been playing now for, you know, multiple uh, months at a good condition. Shoja starting ahead of him, I think is just, I really can't understand that. Yeah, I mean, not only that, but I I, I also don't get how he played Milad in that game against Uzbekistan. What was the decision behind that? Doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. I'm just, I'm Milad, sorry. Milad has had so many chances. Between yeah, he was horrible against Uzbekistan. He's blessed by the fact that we have a left-back issue. Mm, um, true. But you know, to start, give him another chance. And that first goal, he totally is switched off. Uh, but he, he got beaten 1v1 so, so many, many times. times. And, you know, Hodge Safi has problems too. That's the other thing. Hodge Safi 1v1 isn't a great... But I think that, on the whole, Hodge Safi is just a better player than me. Of course he is. 
course. But you're kind of proving you're kind of proving my point, right? Like Hajj Safi is is aging. He's not technical that he's no. not that great. And, like and he's much better. I think I, he's still much much. But still, I, like the options aren't really there. No, Majid Hosseini, I think. Much okay, better. okay, take Majid Hosseini out. That's one. That's, that's one player. Probably Ganji's injured. I would play uh, Muhammad at left back. Yeah, at this moment in time, I think yeah. Muharami had played at left back already for Dinamo Zagreb. He has played there a few times. Yeah. He did all right. Did all right there. Um, he's played in the Europa League as a left back. Yeah, and you know, okay, he's not left footed, but it doesn't matter. You know, think, you need a player who can defend well on V one. You can't have Hasafi and Mirad Mahamadi. Is also regarding the speed of the back four, because if you want to play in the system Kalenoi wants to play, which is Let's face it, Team Melis having more of the ball and trying to have more sustained build-up play than previously. I think we can all agree on that. And it, one of the biggest pieces of evidence is the fact that he's inserted someone who produces a starter at the base of midfield. So that shows you that the mentality of this coach is that you know, we're going to have the ball and try to exert some of our of our influence on the game as opposed to being reactive, which I think is actually not a bad thing. When you make that decision and you advance your fullbacks as high as our fullbacks are getting, I mean, look at Ramin's position on the second goal. Look at his position when he scored his own goal. You know, the guy is getting high up the field. When you get high up the field, and especially when someone produce then leaves the field and you're having more turnovers than usual, but even when someone's on the field and you lose the ball, the defensive transition is where you're going to get killed. It, the question becomes how fast can your midfielders and how fast can your fullbacks and your center backs get into defensive position and cover? And this back four that he's selected, none of them have recovery speed. None of them. Love to see. Kanoni, yeah. One v one isolated on the right side against Shomorudov. He got skin. Actually, if you look not at, just that. The second goal that we scored. Goal, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, yeah. They scored. Yeah. The second yeah. goal they scored, If you, I would really encourage whoever's listening to go back and watch the full scene. We'll have it on the screen. Ramin is so advanced, he doesn't get back. He looks at the guy. He runs back. He sees there's one player in the box. Yeah. He sees him. He's in the right yeah, back Yeah, he gives zone, up on player. it. Yeah. And he has totally the amount of time needed to get up back to him. Yeah, he, he gives up. Kanoni yeah. is high up the field for God knows what reason. He sees the same player. He gets back. He's close to the guy. He's in his vicinity. He doesn't pick him up. Shoja Khalilzadeh is dragged out to the left side to the ball. Okay, Look how long it takes him to shut down the space between the winger and the ball, the crosser and the ball. He doesn't even get close. The guy unopposed puts in a cross. Four players, Ramin, Kanoni, uh, and the midfielders who were tracking Chish, I think it was Karimi at that point, and Saeed, not one of them goes to the only player in the box. Yeah. I mean, that goal to me is one of the worst goals that we've conceded in, in years. Because Roman is only actually quit. He, he actually went and covered the guy who was the cutback option, which is he, 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 he would never get the ball because the way he was right. standing. I mean, the, that so. goal to me is a, was an insult, honestly, to everybody watching. And an yep. insult to our intelligence, too. Because if you want to play this team in this way with this setup, and you're going to have your right back for no reason when the game's 2-1 and we're under the cosh on the other side of the field trying to get a third goal, and then you playing defenders who have no recovery speed, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to have more chances on the break. They're going to kill you in the transitions, and they did, and they were very unlucky not to score more goals. 
And what's going to happen tomorrow when we go to the Asian Cup and we're going to play South Korea most likely in the quarterfinal is you're going to have players of much higher quality bearing down on you in defensive transition. And so right now, I would say it's the only time, there's no time left, they need to make a decision and say, look, if you compare his recovery speed to Majid Hosseini, it's night and day. The guy can't be playing. Yeah. Sadiq Muharrami is the only player we have in that back four that you would say this guy at a high level, he's shown, okay, he's inconsistent, I agree with you, but he's shown that he has speed. He has recovery speed and he can do a defensive job. If you put him at left back, that's going to make you instantly less susceptible to defensive transition and 1v1 getting killed. So I'd like, the, I'd want to see Hasbobi, I'd want to see Hasbobi play this game against, against Indonesia at the very least. Cause... I mean, you look at a profile like Hasbobi, Hasbobi from a standpoint of recovery speed. Yeah, he's quick. He's quick. He's very fast. Yeah. And so to me, that's the one thing. When the coaching staff has chosen to go with a much more, let's say, offensive kind of style compared to K. Roche, who would close these spaces, K. Roche would n- very rarely, if you take K. Roche's whole tenure into consideration, would he allow players with limited recovery speed to be isolated 1v1 or running like that in defensive transition back towards their own goal? And the reason was because he knew that they could not handle it. When you play an open system, you want to speak about tactics, you just look at a team like Man City. They went and found defenders like Joshua Guardiola, like Kyle Walker. These guys are rapid in defensive transition. They get back. These guys are so slow. And it's really, it's going to cost our team in the end. And I think they need to do something seriously because you look at the games we've had now just with Kalanoi, Jordan, we were getting exposed left and right by Jordan. You know, no disrespect to Jordan, but if we want to go at a higher level, we're going to face wingers I mean, and offensive we, players. We almost, quality. we almost we lost to Kenya at one point. The Kenya game, we're <laughs> you getting know, exposed defensive transition again. The Russia yeah, game, was defensive horrible. transition again. Today, mm-hmm. defensive transition again. Hong Kong, I mean, Chan only covered those couple situations. Yeah, but we almost got in. caught up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because true. we, as a team, the biggest weakness of this team is defensive transition. And you know where it happens every time? Down the sides. It always happens down the sides. Because Ramin's so advanced. I mean, because he scores a couple goals, I know everyone's so happy that he scores. But his job is to defend, too. That's also part of his job. Yeah. And defensive transition, it's the same thing with him. Yeah. He's gone. And then you put those center backs, sometimes those center backs, if they're fast enough, they can cover the space on the side. Shurja Khalidzadeh cannot cover the space on the side. You know? Okay, let's move on to the last question then. Um, Instagram comes from Albors underscore uh, Malak Ahmad. Uh, he asks, uh, will Ezatolai ever be good again? <laughs> um, no, look, I don't think Ezatolai... I don't think he had... I don't think he had yeah, I don't think Ezatolai played badly. Uh, I don't think he played great you know but as I told you again he's playing in Denmark you need to understand what the level he's playing at we're comparing him to himself three years ago he isn't that player anymore so I don't think he'll be that player again if if that's the question you're asking but I think for the level he's playing at he's not actually doing that badly Uh, I think he has improved his physical uh, his physique he's a better athlete now than he was last year Um, so I, I just hope that uh, I, I hope I hope that his his partnership with, with someone actually helps him, because I think it was helping him a lot uh, in these in these last two games. 
So I would just say, you know, as fans, we also have to take into consideration somebody's resume and what they've done. You can't just say, okay, he had a bad camp this time or a bad, let's say, last two camps. Saeed Zatullah, even with his, his club situation, has always been a mess. I mean, let's just be totally honest. Before the 2018 World Cup, he was playing for Amkar Perm, which was like a relegation-level Russian team. Before the last World Cup, he was in the second division of Denmark. And each time, the guy raised his game tenfold for those key matches. You have to be honest. Against Uruguay, against Senegal, against Wales, and against the U.S. in a game where other people were horrible, he had a very solid game. So I think it's unfair. Saeed can raise his level for big games. So I think I'm less worried about the Saeed situation. And even now, I would say, actually, at club level, he's doing better than he was 12 months ago. I think you know he's playing at a higher level, the first tier as opposed to the second tier. Yeah. He's been pretty consistent. He's getting in the team of the week there. So and we don't have a replacement for him anyway. So I think Said is Said is Said, you know, has been a huge disappointment on the potential. He developed he delivered about ten percent of what he could or less. So I think as a talent, he's on the same level as Osgun and Tarani are. Um and that's what it is. I mean, arguably, you would say he had a better start than both of those players, like Atletico Madrid Academy. Like he, he, he had the best start you could imagine for anyone. I, so yeah, I yeah. think he. I would actually say he's the most talented player in the team. Uh, I think he had more talent. I think. Than... I think as a round, if you want to look at how well rounded he is, yeah, yeah, he had a, and somewhere along the line, very early, whatever, he made bad decisions. But also now, if you look at just the technical aspect, his problem is his speed. Yeah, he can't cover ground fast at all. I mean, it no. takes him so long to cover not a lot of ground, and that's what's killing him at club level. I think. I think he could play, even right now. I think from a technical standpoint and defensive understanding, range of passing, he could play in a in a top five. League. When he when he played those few games for Reading, he wasn't bad. Like he no, was for Reading. Was so for Reading, he was actually very very good. Yeah, and back then he was much fitter. But I'm saying yeah. even now, I think right now he could play in a top five league if he had this issue of his his speed sorted out a little bit you know i don't see why he couldn't play in like a lower tier yeah that's all that's all the fan questions then finish there all right cool thank you so much everyone for listening i guess the next game will confirm it but it's it'll be against indonesia as a friendly and we'll keep you updated as to when that would be and i guess like after that would be the asian cup in january um so keep updated on twitter instagram uh follow us on there for updates um if you're watching us on youtube then leave us a like and subscribe and yeah thank you so much for listening again and we'll catch you in the next episode I'm playing for the Iranian national team and Brentford Football Club and you're listening to Golbezan podcast.